0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Hallelujah. We're talking about words that move heaven. This is our third lesson. Words that move heaven. And we said, and I'll give you just a quick review, that our words that we speak can move heaven in a positive way or in a negative way. A positive way or a negative way. Also, we talked about, for example, how Gabriel was the one who went to Daniel and told Daniel, Daniel, I've come for your words. That in itself should impact us. Daniel, I've come for your words. I was interfered with by... This prince of Persia, but I've come for your words, Daniel. That's why I've come. Well, that makes me understand something. God heard his words. David killed Goliath, not with stones, but with words. You come against me with your sword and spear and shield. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, who this day will deliver you into my hands. And I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. Notice. He said, God will deliver you into my hands and then I will feed your carcass to the fowls. Words brought down the mighty Goliath. Then we talked about in Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the liver. (laughs) The digestive system. Death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You ready for this? We eat the fruit of our words. We eat the fruit of our words. That should impact us. We eat the fruit of our words. And then in Numbers 14, verse 28, if you don't have this verse underlined, highlighted, Plastered somewhere on your bathroom mirror or refrigerator door. Saying to them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as your neighbor. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Frightening. What was that, Lord? Lord. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Well, the ten spies that spied out the land said, We can't do it. The giants are big. They're warriors. The walls are fortified. We are grasshoppers. We can't do it. And guess what? Those 10 spies, along with the 20 and up generation of Moses, got exactly what they said. God says, I will do to you what you spoke in my ears. Your carcasses will fall in this wilderness and to be fed to the fowls of the air. You're going to die right here in the wilderness. You will not see my promised land. It's exactly what they got. Just what they said. Then you got the other two, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb and 19 and under a Joshua generation, Joshua and Caleb said, we're going to take it at once. We're well able to take it. They're bread for us. Don't rebel against God. They wanted to stone him for saying that. Do you realize that people want to stone people of faith because they want to believe beyond what the natural five physical senses tell them? They side with God. That's exactly what Joshua and Caleb did. They sided with God. And what did they get? Exactly what they said. And here's the frightening part as far as I'm concerned. And what happened to the 10 leaders of the tribes of Israel that influenced them to speak against God, to be afraid of the enemy? They died by the plague. Worms ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel, heart and mouth. And the Jews believe it was the right thing to do because they convinced the people to rebel against God. So, if people out there that say all this stuff about what you say, all that's nothing but a a bunch of hogwash or heresy, apparently they don't read their Bible. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I, God, do to you. Does that make your hair stand? Think about it. As we continue our study, look at the book of Hebrews chapter 3. And look at verse 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of the giants. Of the fortified walls? No. Why couldn't they enter in? Oh. So let us therefore hmm, fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But but the word preached did not profit or benefit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Did they hear it? Were they told it? Absolutely. Did they mix faith with it? No, Uh, no, not under Moses. You see, you can have all the ingredients here in a, a, let's just say a, a cake dish. Put all the ingredients, crack open an egg, put it in, put some flour in, sugar in, butter in, whatever you put in, and and just leave it just like that. Don't mix it. Just don't invite me over for it. Okay? It's only when you mix it that you can taste and see that it's good. So the same thing is true. You see, how does this apply to us? The gospel was preached to us as it was preached to them. But them did not get in because they didn't mix faith with it. They said, we can't do it. We're grasshoppers. They're great. They're giants. They're strong. They're fortified walls. They can't be penetrated and all that. And so, yeah, just keep on talking. Keep on. We're going to die. You're going to kill us in the wilderness. We're going to die. Our loved going to die. That's exactly what they said. And that's exactly what they got. Can anyone argue that? The rest of you think they can? No one can argue that. It's a truth. Is it not the truth? Yeah. But Joshua and said, well, we can do it no matter how big they are. We can do it. God's on our side. He's greater than us. He's bigger than us. We can do it. Well, guess what? We've got a warning handed down to us in those verses. Beware. Beware. If you don't mix faith with the gospel, you will not experience the benefits of the gospel. And even though all that's there, it's ours We have to mix faith with it. For the first 24 years of my life, I was not a born-again, blood-washed child of God. I knew about the gospel. I knew about Jesus. I sat in church. I listened to it five times, sometimes six times a week. And guess what? I wasn't born again because I didn't mix faith with it. Then one day someone came along and said, you must be born again. I said, what? You must be born again. Long story short, I then said, Jesus I realize you died for my sins. I'm asking you to come to my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I will follow you. I will serve you. I will walk with you. And guess what? Something took place on the inside of me. When I mixed faith with the gospel message, I got born again. I got washed in the blood. I became a new creature. All things passed away. All things all become brand new. And I was excited for the things of God like never before. Now, if it takes faith mixed with the gospel, would you not agree with me Then understanding faith is absolutely essential? Yeah. Look at Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Why am I going to that verse of Scripture? Well, because the one who taught it is Jesus. And I kind of thought he might be the best place to go to when it comes to teaching about faith. You know the story. They were going to go into the temple and along the way they saw a fig tree. Jesus saw the fig tree, wanted some figs, but there was not the time of the season for figs. And so when he walked over to the tree, he said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever." And they just nonchalantly left and walked away, went to the temple. He threw out the money changers and did all that he had to do and, and all that. And then they came back, went back, and then got up the next morning and went the next day. And they walked by the same tree. And they said, Lord, the tree is dried up. The fig tree that you cursed yesterday. Cursed. That's the word they used. He spoke a word of death to it, cursed it, and guess what? It died. And when they marveled at it and said, look at this, what's happened as you spoke to that tree, he said to them, have the faith of God, have faith in God, have faith as God has it. Anyway, those three are proper, okay? Well, what is it, Lord? For verily I say to you that whosoever, are you a whosoever this morning? shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you're saying will come to pass. You will have whatsoever you say. Who said that? Jesus. Jesus. Do you think he meant that? Was he teaching what is called the law of faith? This is how faith operates. This is how it works. And notice the two components there that he's talking about. He said, faith believes from the heart and says with the mouth. And these two must be in sync because remember another place in John's gospel, I believe it was, wherever. He said these words, you can honor me, it's Matthew, you can honor me with your lips and your heart can be far from me. There's where the problem lies, getting those two in sync. Because it's easy to say it, but is it here in the heart? If it's not in the heart, you see, saying it is not going to be effective. What we need to do is to protect our heart and build the truths of God's word into our heart. Line upon line, precept upon precept until they become a living thing in us. Okay, And then we release it from our lips. And that's how faith works. And because you and I are constantly being distracted by the affairs of the world and television and radio and everything else that's all around us, all the negativity around us. It's easy for us to faint in our minds and have our hearts melt for fear, because we live in that kind of a society. So it takes, it has to be intentional on our part to continue feeding on the Word, and we'll see that in a moment, so that what? It becomes a reality here, and we say it with our mouths, and it produces results. So we're not going to experience the fullness of the gospel without proclaiming, What the word says. Now look at Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. This is from the Amplified, the classic version of the Amplified Bible because there's some principle here that's necessary. Caleb brought back word as it was not in his liver, but where? In his heart. He said, I brought back word as it was in my heart. And that's what faith is. You see, he was moved to a place of believing God above the circumstances. And so because he was at that place, he proclaimed it, he declared it, he decreed it, and got a result. But now in this verse, let's look at the verse. Faith says what God says. Faith does not manufacture something on its own. It's rooted and grounded in the word of God or what God said, not in what we come up with Because based on selfish desires. So let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have for God himself has said. Everybody say with me, "God God God said. You see, what we say must be rooted and grounded in what God said, not what we selfishly want. Or what our desire might be. He said. I will not in any way fail you. Nor give you up. Nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not. Notice three times. In any degree. Leave you helpless. Nor forsake you. Nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we can take comfort. And encourage. so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say. What are we going to say? And why can I say that? Because he said, I will never leave you. I will not. I will not. I will not most assuredly by any degree whatsoever leave you or forsake you or loose my hold on you so you could boldly say. The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Do you see that principle there? Every, we may say must be rooted and grounded in what God has said. When I was at school at Rainbow, I had people walking around. God's given me 10 million wells. I never have to work again in my life. What? I never have to work again. You see, I don't have to work ever again because I can have what I say. And I thought, what a genius you are. What a genius. I am working like a crazy man all night long at a a convenience store providing for my family. And I should just be sitting back saying, I never have to work again, never have to work again. Never. All my bills are paid. All my bills are paid. All my bills are paid. You see, if you have that kind of perception of what this is talking about, then you're going to be tagged with those name it claim it, blab it, grab it. People that have taken this truth and ex- to an extreme, abused it, and misused it. Amen. It's when you say what I may say is based on what God has said. You know what I used to say when I, I said a million times before I left Youngstown to go to Ramah? I said, my God supplies all my need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God supplies all my need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know why I can say that? Because he said that. He said that, so I said that. And guess what? When I came at a critical time in my life and I needed financial assistance, I said what God said and God came through and honored what he said because I said it. And I didn't fall victim to the doubt and the unbelief that the physical circumstances produce. So it's important that we understand this principle. We may say what God has said. So everything we say, what we may say, must be rooted and grounded in what God has said. So if God didn't say it, guess what? He's the author and finisher of our faith. He is not then responsible to bring it to pass. But if God said it, hmm, then we can expect Him to bring it to pass. Now i get another nice verse for you. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Hmm. Notice it starts with God's not a man. Man can say something and boast a lot of things, but does he have the power to back it up? Does he have the resources to back it up? Does he have the ability to back it up? Does he even have the foreknowledge to back it up? Because you see, we say certain things... But we don't know what's going to take place between the time the words come out of our lips and then the, let's say, the end result is going to manifest. You don't know what's going to happen along the way because we're human beings. But God does not allow a word to come out of his mouth that he cannot produce because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly what's going to happen in between. And so all we have to do is echo what he says, say what he said, and praise God, he will honor it. Now, here's the question. What did he say? to the Israelites under Moses. Well, since you ask, go to Exodus chapter 23, beginning at verse 20 from the New Living Translation. See? I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him. Don't rebel against him, for he is my representative and he will not Forgive your rebellion, but if you are careful to obey him following all my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those who oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, so you may live there, and I will destroy them completely. Well, if he's a man that doesn't lie, he's not a man to lie, and the son of man to repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke, he'll make it good. And he said that. What was the problem when they got to the promised land? And they said, but there's the Hivites there. There's the Jebusites there. There's the parasites there. Parasites were there too. <laughs> there was no foundation for fear. There was no foundation for worry. There was no foundation for anything but to believe that God said what he said and met what he said. So when Joshua and Caleb said don't rebel against God. Don't rebel against the angel. Just go ahead and go take the land. All they had to do is just show up. That's all they had to do. And they would have had 40 years of bliss. An abundant life on earth. The promised land is not heaven. The promised land is an abundant life as you live on the earth. That's what it is. They were denied entrance to the, that promised land. A land that flows with milk and honey. Because why? Once again, unbelief was the, was the actual reason. Now look at Romans chapter 10, verse, verses uh, 8 through 10. Because I'm going to meddle just a little bit right here. If I may. And if I may not, I'm still going to meddle. <laughs> you ready for it? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee or near you. Even in your... What? And in your mouth and heart. That is the word of faith. Everybody say word of faith. faith. Do you know the name the word of faith has received? Do you know the fact that I went to school at Ramah? It tags you as a heretic because you're part of that word of faith movement. And I read that and I go, Paul, did you go to Ramah? Did you sit under Kenneth Hagin? The word of faith which we preach. What did Paul preach? Some of you are not convinced yet. What did Paul preach? The word of faith? He really preached the word of faith. Now, am I saying people haven't run with it? Haven't messed it all up? Sure they have. But what did Paul preach? You see, it's the called the word of faith because you're preaching, you're teaching what God said. Faith in God is faith in His word. It's faith in what He said, not what I said. So these people that go off, and I'm telling you the truth. When I was there at school at Ramah, they got a bad rap, a bad name from people in the community, businesses in the community, because you know why? They were just, the businesses, for example, like they live in an apartment complex, would not pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And so when finally the, the managers of the, of the apartment complex would call the school and just say, what are you teaching these people? I come and, and I tell them about their rent. You know what they say? My God, supplies all my deep. <laughs> <laughs> They don't want your faith, Brother Hagan Jr. would say. They want money, not your faith. Pay your bill. <clears throat> See, if they were being foolish, that's called foolishness, and it's called presumption. So they took it to an extreme. They gave faith a bad message, but it does not change the reality that Paul preached the word of faith. And once again, you know why it's been so severely contested? Because the devil doesn't want people to know that if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you will experience the gospel benefits. He doesn't want people to know that. He wants people to think that, oh, they're a bunch of crazy people, etc. and all that. The word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation in the Greek is soteria, and it means deliverance, health, safety. It means rescue. So now notice the principle here. And may I reiterate once again who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. So Jesus taught him faith and how it operates. He said, we preach the word of faith. The word of faith says, if you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you'll have what you say. What did Jesus say? If you believe in your heart, what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Okay, and here's the difficulty. Like I said, putting the heart and the mouth in sync is the challenge of this message. Because you may say you believe something from the heart, and in reality, you really don't. And so the point is, be honest with ourselves. Be honest with ourselves and say, what do I really believe from my heart? So I can say it with my mouth so that it will materialize in my life. That's what he wants us to do. So I believe in my heart. I say with my mouth, that's how you got saved. That's how I got saved. And listen to this. If it means deliver, if it means health, if it means rescue, safety, then it's the same principle. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness, okay, and confesses unto salvation, confesses unto deliverance, confesses unto healing, confesses unto safety means protection, confesses unto rescue, help. So what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, God says he's going to honor if we're saying from our heart with our mouth what he says to be true. And if we will do that our part, he will do his part to make good on his word because he'll watch over to perform it in all of our lives. So if we were to go around with a recorder, and you know, God's—he's really man's made it easy too. You got your phone with you? Record what you've been saying. Just do it for about three or four hours. And then tell yourself, as I've spoken in God's ears, so will he do to me. You might want to think a little bit harder about what you're saying and believing. Would you agree? This is not magic. This is discipline. It is a principle that requires discipline on our part to educate ourselves in the Word of God to such a way that it becomes a reality within our spiritual being. And then we release it in faith. And you know what? You don't stay there. No matter what degree of faith that you arrive at, you don't stay there. It's like exercise. If you give up exercise for about a week, You better start over again. You understand the point, the principle? That's why he said feed on the word daily. And you'll see that in just a second here. But now, quickly, the Joshua generation. The Moses generation did not enter in. So should we follow their example? (laughs) I hope not. We shouldn't follow their example, should we? We should learn from their mistakes, right? Right but not follow their example because their example kept them out of the promised land. What about Moses? The wonderful man of God that he was, the prophet that he was, all that he did, all the miracles, the signs and the wonders that brought them out of Egypt and to, the promise, to the brink of the promised land. You can't go in because you smacked the rock instead of what? He didn't speak to it. Did he? The second time he wasn't supposed to smack it. He was supposed to What? speak to it. You know why? Because the first smack represents the crucifixion of Christ. And once Christ was crucified, you don't crucify him again. You just speak. Speak what the word says. Speak his accomplishment. Speak his achievement. Speak his, his victory. You see, he won the victory. So that's what he was trying to communicate. But Moses just said, do I got to fetch water out of that rock again? Boom, smack that thing again. Hmm? He said, "Okay, Moses, you're not getting to the promised land. It's not by your works you get in the promised land. It's by what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth." So the Moses generation were denied entrance into was denied entrance to the promised land. Why? What was the official reason? Unbelief. Unbelief. Well, if that was the official reason, then why did Joshua's generation get into the promised land because of faith? faith. Well, wouldn't it behoove us then to look and see exactly how? Joshua, in his generation, taught the 19year old and under the principles that would enable them to build a kind of faith that would get them in the promised land. Why? Because the promised land is our abundant life land. That's how we enjoy the abundance that Christ has provided for us in his redemptive work. So go to Joshua with me if you wouldn't mind, and let's quickly read through some of these scriptures. This is after the death of Moses. This is the living translation of the Bible. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the uh, the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you, God's promising. What I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Wow. From the Negev wilderness, from the south to the Lebanon, mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. Or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swear to their ancestors, I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. That was the charge that. uh, God gave to Joshua. Do you notice what he said he would do for him? You know, Joshua can echo those very words and just say, God said this, and so therefore I'm encouraged to go forward and do what I can do. Well, look at the response of the people after Joshua communicated that to the people. Remember, they were 19 and under, so they were 59 by now and under. 40 years had come by, come and gone. Look at what it says. Joshua chapter 1, 16 through 18, New Living Translation. They answered Joshua, we will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Well, that's a far cry from what the other one said, isn't it? Okay, now go to Joshua chapter 6, and let's go to the end before we get to the beginning of these principles. After Joshua spoke to the people, this is after the instruction as to how to get into the promised land. The seven priests with ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Now notice this. Do not shout. Do not even talk. Joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Kind of strange instructions, wouldn't you say? You walk around Jericho. Don't talk. Not a word out of your mouth. Well, that's kind of strange. Why? Because he knew they would be saying things like, are we out of our minds? Just give me a moment here. You have to humor me just for a moment. Every time I teach this, I think of VeggieTales. I can't help it. My kids grew up with VeggieTales, and I watched the Israelites marching around the walls of Jericho, and they're throwing snow cones down on top of them, and they're going back and forth, look, 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 look. throwing them down, throwing them down. I'm like, what can I say? So they walk around. They don't say a word. Oh, that one got me right in the eye. Why is God making us do this? Is he crazy? Didn't he see those snow cones coming? That one wasn't even a soft one. That was hard. Didn't even melt a little bit. What are we doing here? Why are you walking around these walls? Is God, is he out of his mind that we're doing this? Ethel, what do you think? I don't know, Joe. And you can almost hear the dialogue back and forth. This is absurd. These are warriors. Those are mighty walls. What in the world are we doing? We're just going to walk around, blow, blow the trumpet? Now, if Kenny G was there, we might reconsider a bit. Uh-uh. No. Don't say a word. Not one word out of your mouth. Nip that thing in a bud. You can't talk about it. You can't say a thing about it. Okay? Now, what was taught to these individuals that would help them in their heart, with their mouth, to say the right thing? You ready for it? Here they are. The seven principles that Joshua taught the people so that they would get into the promised land. You ready for it? Number one. And this is found in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1. Number one, know that your enemy is defeated. Do you remember? And Moses, they didn't believe the enemy was defeated. No, the enemy is defeated. It came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites were on the side of Jordan, westward and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Your enemy is defeated. Your enemy is defeated. Know it. Now, why is that important? because i'm telling we can all be guilty of this, and so i 'm not putting down anyone, but when you hear Christians talking today like the devil 's been after me all day long, you know he 's done this and he 's done that and done the other thing, do you not know that the enemy's defeated? Yeah. see it sounds like he's Lord, and what Jesus did was not enough instead of saying the devil 's been after me all week long it's been such a hard week for me and all that stuff. Why don't we start saying, you know what Jesus did for me? He Let me just read it to you. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2 rather, verse 13 through 15 and let's really see about our enemy. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it Away way by nailing it to the cross. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Our enemy is defeated. He had him who had the power of death. He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And First John 3 8 says that he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Guess what? Our enemy is defeated. Our enemy is defeated. That should put something within our spirit being to, to know and to believe and to say rather than saying that the devil's so big and the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. What's God doing? Amen. What is God doing? Greater is He that's in me than he that is in the world. My God's at work in me. The Spirit of God's at work in me. He raised Jesus from the dead. He brings victory into my life. I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus' victory over death, hell, the grave, the devil, and everything that pertains to the kingdom of darkness. I've been brought out of that kingdom and the kingdom of God and Jesus is Lord over my life. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Number two. Remember... We have a covenant with God. Look at the next verse. The next verse. So number one, Miami's defeated. Number two, I've got a covenant with God. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. In other words, if you look at it in the, in the New Living Translation, it says, circumcise the children of Israel, the second generation. That was the first generation under Moses, but this is the second generation. So what does he do? He performs circumcision and what is circumcision It is a mark of the covenant that they have with God. It identifies them with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what he's saying is, we're reminding you, all you people, that you belong to God. He is your God. You're in covenant relationship with him. And he who cannot lie swore by himself. He swore by, you know, so that you can have strong faith to know that God will go before you and drive out the inhabitants of the land. So your enemy's been defeated. You've got a covenant with Almighty God. And what about this? There's people that say this all the time. Yeah, but they were the chosen people. Really? Okay. They're the chosen people. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. Hmm? But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. He is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If you didn't shout yet, you're late. Yeah. Did you hear that? We've got a better covenant than what they had. So whatever they had, we've got. And we've got more than what they've had. And we've got the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who is our covenant head, yes. our high priest, who represents us to the throne of God. See, he's still instilling faith in their hearts. Look at number uh, three. Number three. This is Joshua chapter five. And look at verse 10. And this is called, remember where you were, how you got out and where you're at now. Okay. So he's building this into their minds. Remember where you're, how, where, you're at, where you were. Where were you? Slaves in Egypt. How did you get out? God brought you out by bringing that nation to its knees with 10 plagues. Where are you at now? At the edge of the promised land that God promised me. And you can see it. Okay. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover. That's where you extract this. Kept the what? Passover on the 14th day of the month, even, at even in the plains of Jericho. See, the Passover represents what? They're being delivered from Egyptian bondage. So now he reminds them, your enemy is defeated. You've got a covenant with God. And now, here you go. You've been brought out. By the hand of God. You're at the brink of the promised land. He brought you out. He shook that nation to its foundation. He gave you victory all the way through the land. And so he's instilling within them. Remember, nothing was worse than what took took place with you back in Egypt. Okay, well you say, well what's that got to do with, how, how do we view that? I'm so glad you asked that one. Because look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. They celebrated the Passover to remind them of what God did for them back then when he brought them out of Egypt. Well, guess what? You weren't brought out of Egypt. Unless you were an Egyptian and you were brought out of Egypt. I may be in a time I wasn't, I wasn't brought out of Italy. We'll get there in a moment. Let's read this. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that this, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. For after the same manner, he also took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. Till he comes. Guess what? We weren't brought out of Egypt or Italy. We were brought out of the realms of darkness. The devil's territory itself. And guess how we got out? I remember I was in there. I was planted in there. I was rooted in there. Just like you were. No one, nothing can get me out. My religious works couldn't get me out. Mm -mm. no good deeds couldn't get me out my church attendance couldn't get me out giving to the poor couldn't get me out as I said before political politicians couldn't get me out nothing could get me out As try as I may I couldn't get myself out my parents couldn't get myself out my parents couldn't get me out but guess what one day I called upon the name of the Lord praise God and a hand of God came down upon me and plucked me out of the realms of darkness and planted me into the kingdom of almighty God Hallelujah. That's what happened. I'm remembering where I was, how I got out, and where I'm at right now. I'm at the brink of an abundant life in Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. Can you see that? That's where we're at. And so how do we get out? Jesus. As a matter of fact... uh, it's, it's what it typified. It was a type and shadow of it. Look at the next one. The, every one of these is a message on its own. You realize that? And some of them are a series. But this is real quick just to get them out to us. We've entered a new day. Look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 12. This is giving them a foundation to enter into the promised land. And the manna cease on the morrow. Now you might think, oh, what's the big deal that the manna ceased on the morrow? Well, they've been eating manna for 40 40 years. <laughs> for 40 years manna came out of heaven 40 years water came out of a rock and that was their diet and that's what they participated in all this time and on the morrow uh, after they had eaten the old corn of the land neither had the children of Israel manna any more but they did eat the fruit of the land of Canaan that year so here we see no more manna well how does that apply to us oh again I'm so happy that you have all these questions Look at John's gospel. Okay? These Jewish people at that time, they boasted in the fact that Moses gave us manna that came out of heaven. Look at John's gospel, chapter 6. They said, therefore unto him, that's Jesus they were speaking to, what sign showest thou that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, big sign, you know, that they really depended on, that they looked to, and they're gonna now boast about this and let Jesus know. See, that's what Moses did. What are you gonna do? Well, look at the let's read on verse 48. You could really read the whole chapter, but anyhow, look at this. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die I am the living bread which came down from heaven if any man eat of this bread he shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world and except you eat this flesh and drink my blood you have no life in you he went on to say right so can you see what's happening here The parallel here, they're boasting what Moses gave them, manna from heaven. He goes, wake up, people. I'm that bread it was referring to. And I've come down. I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's a whole lot better than manna. Look at the next one. An invisible army is with us. We're not alone. Look at Joshua chapter uh, 5 again. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and there was a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our enemy, our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant and the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot for the place whereon that you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Oh, hallelujah. You know what that tells me? That was more than an angel. That was Jesus himself. Do you see that? Because there's no angel that would say bow to me. Take off your shoes, buddy. I'm standing behind the covenant. It may be the old Abrahamic covenant, but I'm standing behind it, and you are not alone. I'm for everybody, actually, to be honest with you, but because you are teaming up with me, I'll be there. I'll honor my word. I will deliver you. I will set you on high. I will see to it that I provide for you. I take care of you. I protect you. So just know you're not alone in this endeavor. That produces faith. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Absolutely. Well, look at um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. And this one again, once again, it's just making it short, condensing it. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? We're not alone. We're not alone. Your angel's sitting right by you right now. There's angels filling this sanctuary right now. We just don't see them. But there's more to be with us than to be with them. We're not alone. Do we think we're going to get in there? Do you think, Mo- you think that, that uh, Samson did all that he did by himself? Can you not see the angels being unleashed and just just ripping apart all those people and doing all that he did? We're not alone. There's an unseen army, an unseen army in the spiritual realm that's working on our side to see to it that we're victorious as we proclaim and declare the word of God. So that's number five. Number six. Look at number six. This is Joshua chapter six. This is leading up to the wall, the Jericho march. I've seen people do Jericho marches in church. But you know what? You can go through the motions. That means nothing. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out. None came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given thee the land. I've given thee the land. I've given them thy hand, Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Period. I've given you the land. I've given you the king. It's all yours. Hmm. Look at 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given us a couple of things, a few minor things. Remember he said to Joshua, everywhere you put your foot, I have given you the land. God already gave him the land. It was up to him to put his foot there. You ever hear the expression, put your foot down? Put your foot down. It's time to put your foot down. And tell the devil, that's not your land. It's my land. God gave me the land. I'm putting my foot down. I'm treading upon that land. It belongs to me. And you're not taking it from me. Loose your hold right now. All things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great precious promises... That by these ye might partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in a world through lust. And so we see number six here. He's given us the land. Can you say that with me? He's given me the land. Me the land. It belongs to me. Belongs to okay, now number seven. This is the final one. Here it is. Joshua 6, verses 3 through 5. This is, these are the instructions. Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war. And what is this? Do what he tells you to do, even if it's illogical or unreasonable and makes no sense whatsoever. Hallelujah! And ye shall compass the city and men of war, and go around the city once. Thou shalt go six, do six days, and seven priests shall bear the, before the ark of the seven, trump, seven trumpets of ram's horns, and then you compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Okay. How logical is that? How logical is that? Okay. We're going to send out Sue with the guitar. Mm A couple of the ushers behind her. Some of the praisers as well. And we're going to walk around these fortified walls. With all the warriors looking down on us. And the walls are going to fall down flat. (sighs) Really? (laughs) Honestly? Mm -hmm. No wonder he said don't say a word. But that's what they did. We don't have the time to read the rest of it. But you know the story. On the seventh day. On the seventh time. The blast. After the long blast of the shofar. He said to the people. What's the word? Shout. What's the word? Shout. That's all our responsibility is? To shout? Yes. Shout. And they shouted with a loud shout. And when they shouted with that loud shout, all the walls came down except the house of Rahab the harlot who protected the spies who were told, then now go get them and bring them out, because they protected the spies. And God honored His word to her, and her family was spared. But they just shouted. And when they shouted, do you know there's a time when God is in a shout? And when God is in the shout, the walls come tumbling down. And when the walls are down, you walk in take the spoils of victory. But they were told not to. But anyhow, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm I'm trying to get to the end before I preach for an hour because I've preached for an hour since I was 69. <laughs> oh my! But I have to finish this, okay? Okay. So what's unreasonable? Here's the, here's what's unreasonable. Mark 11, 23, We already said. You have a mountain. Speak to it. Believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. And if you believe in your heart, would say it with your mouth to come to pass. You will have what you say. So, Mountain, I'm speaking to you. You've been speaking to me long enough. You've been telling me I can't do it. I'm not big enough to do it. That God's not on my side. You're telling me that I'm, I'm unworthy and all that stuff. But I'm stopping right now and I'm telling you right now. I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. He's already got the victory for me. He stands behind it. You're defeated. Praise God. I got a covenant with God. My enemy's been... Th- and you go on and tell him all this stuff. Mountain, now, get out. Look at Luke. Look at Luke. Luke uh, 17. Next, uh, we're not going to read this one. 17, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say. Why does he want us talking to mountains and trees? So they obey us. So they obey us and do what we say. So he says, say to the, speak to it, say, if you had faith as a grain of mustard you would say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted to see. And it should what? It should obey who? Who? Us. In other words, God's saying, I got your back. You say it, it'll obey you, but I'm the one that's doing it. I'm the power behind what you're saying, because that's my word you're saying, so I'm the one behind it, and I will do it, praise God. So, what's the conclusion of the matter? It's not logical to speak to problems and think they're going to go away. Unless you understand what you've just been taught. And guess what? What's left? Shout. <laughs> Why just shout? Because it's already been done. The victory's been won. All that's left for us to do is to shout it from the mountaintops. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm healed. I'm made whole. I'm victorious. Praise God. I've got the victory. Oh, thank God. Just shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord with, let's all stand and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Praise God. Penetrate the heavens. Penetrate the realms of darkness. Penetrate the world in which we live. I am more than a conqueror. In other words, shout the word. Praise God.